So welcome back everybody to the Whitetail Theories Podcast. We got uh, Jeremy Krause here from New York, longtime service side member, field staffer. And Jeremy, how did how did this little weekend together begin? Where, where did this all start at? I, I texted you a while ago just to catch up and you were like, hey, I'm going to be at camp these, these couple weekends coming up. And I was like, I'll try and make it up. And it just happened to work out so that I was like, Flying by the seat of my pants, came up and just kind of threw a couple ideas out there and... Yeah, so Friday, Friday I was on my way up here. I had a honey-do list to get done and I left from home and then I was like, oh, Jeremy's supposed to come up. So I had my wife, I was driving, I was like, text Jeremy and see if he's still coming. Mm -hmm. And then that's where you had the idea of doing some spot and stalk, right? Yep. We could, I said we could hike in the rain and see if we could sneak up on some deer. And I was like, just chilling at camp is good too. I really didn't have any expectations. I was just like, I haven't seen him in a bit. I think it's a great time to get down and and uh, see you guys. And it, it's, man, it just all happened. Today happened really quick. So let me let me start with this morning. So you didn't get in here till about what, 10 o'clock this morning? Yeah, it was like 9.30, 10 o'clock. 9.30, 10 o'clock. So this morning I went out to a different spot and I wanted to do something a little bit different, so I, I went in and I've been trying to use this ghost blind. Uh, it's mirror panels that, that basically ref angle down to reflect the surroundings. So I've been, I've been really trying to, to shoot a deer from the ground this year. It's been one of my big goals with, with the bow, you know. And I, I went into a different spot this morning, it's kind of a, a backdoor approach. And I got set up and, and no sooner am I setting the ghost blind up, it's just, it's just getting daylight. and I hear a grunt, and I'm like, no way, like, I, I think I'm hearing things. And then I heard ch -ch -ch and some, some leaves moving, and like, I couldn't really see that far, it was just getting daylight, and then I hear another distinct grunt, and then another grunt, and I was like, oh man, like, it, it's on, you know, it's Halloween Eve, October 30th, I'm like, this is it, man. So, it's been cool and rainy pretty much all week. We had one or two sunny days. I think Wednesday and Thursday were kind of sunny for us up in New York. But it's just been consistently cool and wet. And I don't know if the deer fall into a rhythm there or if, if it's just like a surprise and they fly by the seat of their pants when they get crappy weather. But, you know. That's a great question. You know, I think that when it's crappy weather, though, I mean, one, they can smell really good, you yeah. know. Their, their nose is so moist. Yeah, it holds down close to the ground. And and the thing that I said today, and I don't, we'll we'll get into the events of today. But the one thing that I said is like, you know, I really do believe when it's when it's wet like this, deer like to be out where it's a little more open. They can see. Absolutely, and it, ultimately that's what we did end up seeing. Granted, we didn't have to go very far after we kind of regrouped and came up with a plan B. Yeah, but it was just like it was immediate, and it was somewhat surprising. It was like, <laughs> well, let's let's talk about how how things unfolded. So, to to start things off, I I thought today was a good day to go back into where I had, I think to this day the craziest hunt was two years ago with my cousin, where we had we both shot from the same spot on the ground at, at mature bucks. And we saw uh, a Pope and Young mountain buck, and it was just it was just a crazy day. So I decided we were going to take this ghost blind in, 
and the two of us, and Jeremy was going to call. In fact, call in film. fact, on the way up on Friday, I texted you because I was remembered my son <laughs> was playing with my grunt call, and I forgot to grab it. And I was like, that's already in the car. <laughs> yeah, so, so the, 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 the brilliant idea we have is we're going to sneak in and, and use the wet leaves to our advantage, and then set up behind this ghost blind, and then do some grunting sequences and see if we can get something moving, you know? Yeah. And uh, we went all the way down into a spot that I had almost pulled off like the, you know, a, we almost pulled off a double, except we, neither of us connected. And I said to Jeremy, I said, you know, I said, this happened two years ago, and I, I know for a fact the arrow went straight into a tree because I saw the light of knock, but I never went to get the arrow. So after the calling sequence, I was like, we got to go up and see if this, where this arrow is at. So I'm walking around and I was like, ah, oh, there it is. Yep, you turned to me and, and I, had the, I had the camera off at that point. You're like, I see the arrow. Get, ro get, get it rolling and <laughs> yeah. we, we can do this. And yeah. it, it, it was just buried perfectly into that tree. You could see the tree started to heal around it a little bit. We tried to twist it out and pull it out. And it was just like sword in the stone. It didn't want to move. And ultimately, you were like, "It's, that, it's the trees now. It'll be, yeah. it'll be there to remind all those deer." <laughs> I know, but it's, it's just, it's just so crazy. It's like I, I left my mark on that spot, and then when I go back in there, I actually got my onyx out and I like marked where that arrow was in the tree. And I have another arrow um, on that same. Well, it's on a different ridge, but on that in the same region. It was actually from a, a cross. It was a cross bolt. Mm -hmm. That's that's. <laughs> 30 feet up in a tree and it was just another another there's always a story behind an arrow in the yeah. tree you know no matter yeah, how you look if at arrows it arrows could talk oh man <laughs> so so we decided we were like all right let's let's back out of here because the the mission of today's hunt was to go about 3 miles of still hunting and and eventually get back to my my cabin and I was like Jeremy if we if we continue from this point we're going to get down in the hollow and then we're either walking straight back up the mountain or we're going to be down in the hollow, which is just a disadvantage for yep. what we're doing. And, and it's not, it wouldn't have been easy to get back to camp from there either. No, we would have been half a mile on the road and just, just, uh, you know, I've, and I've done that before and I was like, we want to stay up on top and we both yeah. agree on that. Yep. And I, it, you know, I've been, I haven't haunted. I've been trying to, you know, get myself back to a hundred percent with, I was rear-ended in August and in a pretty bad car accident. It's I just haven't felt ready to do all the work that required is required when you deer hunt. This was like it was like I've been getting more comfortable with filming and just getting out there and hiking. Yeah. And, and this was this was a really good day for that. I felt really great. No, I couldn't. All. I couldn't tell that uh, you had that accident. In fact, we were walking back up the mountain. I didn't go west this year for elk and stuff, and I was like, "Man, like, I'm a fat kid. Like, I'm winded." And like, in the grand scheme of things, we weren't really that far down in. No, no, like, we probably, you know, on that first descent, ascent, we probably went down in 250, maybe 300 foot elevation change. Yeah, and it wasn't crazy. It just, I, I feel like. When you're trying to be stealthy and trying to climb a mountain, mountain oh, at the same it's time, it's so hard. So that's that's when I decided I was like, all right, we're gonna ditch the ghost blind, and I was like, I was like, I want to go. I'm gonna ride around the back of this one saddle, and then 
go down some points. I said, we're going to have to go up the mountain at one spot. But I was like, we'll go down through where I shot my eight point with my rifle last season here. And then we'll eventually hook around and then we'll get back to camp. So like we had, we had this game planned and what it's like, well, when we originally went it up was, there, it was like noon. It, yeah, it, I think by the time we got back to the vehicle the first time, it was sneaking up on 2. It may have been 1.30 or 1.45, yeah. Yeah, it was still plenty early, you know, because we're before daylight savings, so we had several hours. But, like, I mean, we're going to have to get moving. So I was like, all right, we're going to keep the ghost blind behind, mm -hmm. and we're just going to more or less spot and stalk, still hunt, do some calling, and, and see what we can make happen. And, and the, the idea, too, is like, you know, these deer should be out in the open where they where they have a little bit more sense of security because they can see because yeah predators can sneak up on them. You hard know? hard to hear anything in the rain, so vi yeah. vision was their number one, uh, you know, sense besides the sense of smell. I mean, that the the deer we connected with was definitely trying to smell us. Well, let's 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 get into that. So. So, uh, not far from where the, 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 the truck was parked, or the SUV, there was a spot that I, the first, very first week of archery, I saw a bunch of scrapes that popped up. And I was like, I'm going to go back there and, and check that out, because it's Halloween Eve, end of the month. I'm like, let's, let's, let's see what's going on here. So, immediately we get down in there. Now, mind you, it was just, you know, we just had an inline season for doe and bear and, and, and the senior citizens, they could shoot rifle doe. So, like, there was definitely a little more impact going on. And, and this is a pretty easily accessed spot. But it was one of those spots where I'm like, you know, I think it's probably nighttime activity. Mm -hmm. and, and immediately, we're start walking down the trail and you're like, man, this is a great spot for scrapes. I'm like, no, this is literally where I'm taking you. Even even before that, right when we got in the vehicle, you were like, well, and we were kind of like going back and forth. Should we go down and try and hit the flat the flats along the stream or should we stay up high? And I was like, I feel like it's going to be either one or the other. They're either going to be down there and stay down there yep. or they're going to be at the very top. Yep. And ultimately well, we decided to to hit the top and man... Yeah, it was just we got down to those those scrapes and and then the rubs started to appear. Well, so well the first the first scrapes we saw that that were real fresh a couple weeks days, ago days old they were old yeah but we rounded the corner and then there was more scrapes and I was like holy crap like there were probably seven or eight scrapes along that, that along least, that hemlock stand along that stand there and then and then we got to the edge of that and we started seeing buck rubs and it was like you could start to get a sense okay. This deer's working this edge. And then we started looking up in the trees. We're like, man, this would be a good spot for a stand, or this would be a good spot yeah. for a stand. Yeah, I love doing that, just scouting stand spots. Yeah. There's just perfect amount of cover in a lot of those trees. So so that's that's right about when we started talking about, let's put a camera up. Mm -hmm. So we got the camera out of the bag. Yep, I happened to bring a piece of paracord for a, a camera strap. It, worked, it was gonna work out perfectly. We were, we were like, what about this tree? What about that tree? And then all of a sudden I look up and I'm like, I saw a tail flicker. I was like, there's a deer. As soon as you said that, as soon as you said when I looked up, I saw, I saw the, just the top of the back. I just saw that solid brown. Because yep. there, there's so much color at the foliage right now on the ground. Like it, everything's just so broken up with color. He stood out pretty hard. And it he was over out. 100 yards away through the timber. Yeah, I figure he's about 100, about Maybe 100 120, yards. Yeah, yeah. 100, 120. Just, just 
milling around, kind of feeding, browsing, whatever. I, well, I guess he was he browsing was, more or less was, at that time. He did not move very far from the time where he we was first saw him far at all. to no. the time we last saw him. Well, so so really quickly, that's when I was like, Jeremy, I was like, we got to get the camera rolling. And I was like, well, screw the camera, the game camera. Yeah. So it's like, that's, it's time to put a spot in stock on. So immediately it's like, okay, this steer's out across this flat and it's pretty wide open. So it's like, okay, well then we'll just we'll just get down this hillside and then we'll pop up. And then we saw probably four or five more tree rubs on the way down as through. As soon as we went down there, yeah. right. But as soon as we went down there, we got the milkweed out and we're like, oh crap, like this this is not gonna work. Cause he's gonna smell us Couldn't get right below. before we we're gonna crest that hill. So now we had a sideline back up the hill and we did we did cut a little it bit. It was almost off. a perfect diagonal. We we yeah. got up. Yeah, I'd say by the time we got near his elevation, we were probably 65 to 55 yards away. Yeah, because I was going to say it was about about there, and, and I, I think I was about 50 yards out probably when I shoved my pack. Yeah. And I just I just did not feel comfortable to take that kind of shot, so um, I, had to, I had to close the distance. And like it, like it was crazy because I had a nice big tree that I, I could almost just walk, like just not even really bent right over behind it because he was back behind there and I'd peek out to see what he's doing and he was feeding mm -hmm. so I got behind that big tree but at that point I was 44 yards and I still did not want to take that long of a shot you got to about 35 yards and that's when he started getting kind of antsy like he would look up yep. and then he'd put his head down really slow and then he'd look up again really quick to see if he could catch us moving yeah he knew he knew something he's, was up he started to sense it yeah, yeah. Yeah, well the challenge, like, so you were able to stand there and take it all in with the camera, and I'm like trying to move, so I have no pack on me at this point, I got rid of the binoculars, and like, I, I started actually, licking his nose, I and clipped, trying to taste the air, to yeah. see if he could pick up on us, and we were, the wind was just perfect. Oh, I knew the, and I, and I knew that, like I knew the wind was fine, I was like, all I gotta do is not let him just see me. Yep. So there was a skinny tree, and I just got behind that the best I could, and I was clipped in, and then he he started doing the head the head bob thing, and I was like, okay, like this is it. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I've been and like, you you got it. You got experiences as a hunter to understand it. But I've been in a hundred stare downs, and nine out of ten times, if the wind is right, if you don't move, you can win. Yeah. But if you move, you lose. Oh yeah, they see and, it. And they'll, they'll fake it. They'll do the head fake. All the time, and then especially, the especially the bigger, like I've I've had that experience with the bigger nanny does. I was gonna say the does are the worst the four, for it. The four year old they'll plus fake you out and they'll look back. Yep, they they are famous for it. I've seen it probably 15, 20 times. Oh, and this is while I'm in a tree. This isn't even on the ground. This is they'll they'll just kind of be walking around and then all of a sudden they'll look up at you and they'll be like. <laughs> That looks different than yesterday, <laughs> and then and then they'll like look away, and then all of a sudden they'll just swing their head back really quick Stop. and they'll get you, and yeah. they got you, and that's when they start blowing and stomping and they get right out of there. Well, but. that's that's exactly that's exactly what this buck was doing, and and, and you're probably what 30, 35 yards behind me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was you know? easily I, I I was easily fifty yards from that deer. Yeah, but but still not that far. I mean, no. in the wide open timber, mm -hmm. and you were and you were in your badlands, dude. You like, I, I mean, that, that's I had crazy. Their approach FX on. He and, had no idea, and I was, I wasn't even standing behind the tree. I had the camera in front of me on the monopod, <laughs> and I was just like, 
looking at the screen, looking up at the deer, <laughs> and I got the very zoom on there too, so I was just like panning in, panning out. I caught you in the frame. That's so crazy. And then I zoom in on the deer yep. as he put his head down, and then when he picked his head back up, I would pan out, and you were just a little bit closer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this deer, we got this, we got in this like showdown, and he just wasn't having it because he couldn't smell. He knew something was off. He, he, I know he could see me behind that tree a little bit. I kept, as he would like kind of peek his head and like kind of step forward, I would just keep shading back around the tree just enough so I could maintain eye contact. And, you know, it was crazy. So he like turned. And as soon as he turned, I was like, this deer's seen enough. I came back to full draw and I got out from the tree. And that turn, that turn was about it. A 90 degree turn so he was pretty he was much turned so freaking hard pretty much broadside you at first and then as soon as you turned got so seated into your into your draw yeah he he really quartered hard away from you so of course like my adrenaline's pumping because like all this is like coming together and I had of course it was insulated uh, a camouflage neck gator to try to cover up my face a little bit and stuff so like I'm just holding all this heat in you know and this just from not moving much, but like trying to hold your body, it like it's a workout. It's a and workout, like, and you shake, you shake more. I was shaking, so I have this adrenaline. This is all coming together, and, also, and I know it's also on video. fighting, also fighting the the buck fever adrenaline yes, too. It's yes, yes, like, everything, everything's all happening at once, and it was just like it was so intense, and like it, it wasn't. The, this is not the biggest deer I ever drew back on, but just it was so freaking intense. And it I'm was, like, it was, I, I can, I can do this shot, but I have to take it now. So I'm a full draw. He is quartered hard. It's like, it, it is almost like 90 degrees away from me. And I have a tree to the right side and his butts to the left. And I'm like, I, and I'm like, he's right about just over 30 yards. So I'm floating my, my second pin is my 30 yard pin. I'm floating that and I touch it off and it goes right into the hind quarter. And I was like, oh no. And I saw the arrow was sticking out, and he and he just doesn't really run. He like he sca he scampered and kind of like all legs off the off the ground. Like, yeah, like a not like a donkey kick, but like a leap into the air. Like he was he, getting ready to turn was, himself I mean, inside out. I mean, he was hit hard, but it was like, man, this is bad. So like immediately, like my heart sank. I'm like, this is like this is the last thing I want to do is wound a deer, you know. And up and down, the height was perfect, but I was just, I was too far left. If I would have been that far to the right, I would have hit the tree. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I had to thread that shot. So I turned around, went back to Jeremy, and I, I, I like, you know, the camera's right there. I'm like, I you're, just, you're I just right to want to back out. Like, yeah. Immediately, you were like, we're gonna, we're just gonna back out. Well, right, and that's what I said, and you know, Jeremy's tracked a lot of deer, and like, I took my skater off and stuff, and. Uh, you brought my pack over to me and, mm -hmm. and we kind of met halfway right there. We were not far at all. And we were just quiet and we we're just talking about what we can do. Like maybe we just wait an hour. Cause it was like, if well, we hit the femoral artery, like toast yeah. really quick, he's not going to, he's not going to last. Yeah. And, and as we were kind of discussing what the game plan was, I was like, do you hear that? It sounded like he was like, there was a deer on the ground kicking. It did. It did. And I still don't know what that was. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was him on the ground. It, it must have been. So, so to make things like, like just the craziest chain of events, and and this is just for this part of the day's craziest chain of events. Oh Because we got more to talk about tonight. Jeremy. We do. It's been a long but, day. But but uh, 
so we decided let's find the blood and get a look at it because if there's a lot of bubbles in there something that's probably arterial or let's get a look at the blood let's get a look yeah so i walk back to the tree i was at and i go 30 yards and i can see like you can see that the deer is in there just 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 from the imprints in the, in, yeah. the, in the wet leaves. And I'm trying to figure out about where he's at, but I'm thinking it's right about here. So I started kind of cutting at the angle I saw him take off at. And I took, how many steps do you think from where that shot was at? Where we thought impact was or where you took the shot from? From where I thought the impact was. How many steps do you think I took? <laughs> ten, 10 steps. I took just a couple steps, 10 steps. And I looked up and I was like, Jeremy, get the camera. I was like, he is... He's right here. And then and I pull another arrow out. He didn't go 30 yards. He didn't go 30 yards from the shot. I never even saw him drop. Like I saw him. I was trying to keep on him with the camera after the shot. And I had him in frame and then all of a sudden he was gone. He just disappeared. I wasn't sure if he went over the ridge or if he... I, I think I honestly but... think that he just kind of like was going slow. And I, I must have looked away. He must have just laid down or something. Yeah. And then we heard some kicks. But anyway, uh, this is how long after the shot, 15 minutes, it wasn't even yeah, long. It wasn't even half hour. And we were just trying to like, just go real quiet, just a skin idea what was going on. And there he laid. And it was like, there's no way that this, like, this chain of events just happened. No, it we, was, we came in there. It was so surreal. <laughs> we saw this deer, we put a spot in stock on, running the camera, public land, open timber, like. Eight and, point buck. And, and we made it, we made it happen. It worked out so good. So we, uh, we got home and back to the camp. We, we hung it up. We made a makeshift meat pool. I have this really nice meat pool that we're about to put up. And of course, it's not up. So like we had to make a little makeshift Works. gizmo here. So yeah, so it was like celebration high fives, you know, and have dinner. And then we were talking about trying to get this podcast started and and then we made the tenderloins. Yeah, we made tenderloins, had some Jer beers. Jeremy and went and cut the tenderloins out, we grilled those up, and we, we were talking about making this podcast. Mm -hmm. And then I had the bright idea, I said, you know, let's go, let's go look at this deer one more time. So, of course, we're drinking some beer. We got to take a piss. I, I went in the dark and didn't see the edge of the deck, and I went right down. And we then proceeded to go to the emergency room where I got splinted for, for a broken ulna. <laughs> and now yeah. we're back here, you know, and... Literally, literally, though, Jeremy dumps off the deck and, like, it's just piled up. I'm like, you're right. It He's was, like, no, I'm it not. It was not fun. I'm not all right, you know? Oh, and, my God. And, was... and the, minute, the minute I touched his, his arm, I was like, I, I said, I said it was your ulna. It's broke, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so the hospital is almost an hour away. And I'll tell you what, though, they treated us good. They got us in there and, and, Real and out. So fast. And for, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I feel like a trooper. It was, it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a tough evening. Um, but, man, it's all... I, I feel like I have the worst luck in that regard, too. You have a great day. You enjoy it. And then you're, you're trying to have a little celebratory good time and... Should just hit the fan somehow, right? Well, and so that doesn't even include poor Silas. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So to make matters worse, before Jeremy takes a spill, uh, we're we're getting ready 
I guess well, I guess we're getting ready to put Silas to bed. Yeah. When was that? Yeah, because we gave it him a bath. It was just after seven. Yeah, we gave him a bath, and then all of a sudden, um, did he throw up before bed? No, he so, was. So Carly, my wife, goes in to check on my son because we're at camp and we don't have the the baby, uh, the the viewer, you know, the screen. We just have a, a monitor to listen. Yeah. And she peeks in with her phone, and he's standing up in his his packing plate. In the corner, he, yeah. He's covered he's, in vomit, and he wasn't crying or anything. Just, but the poor guy oh, was sick. Man. So, and we just gave him a bath. So now, we're dealing with cleaning up my son. He's sick. Then, Comforting him, and then, and I was like, yeah, Jeremy was helping out, washing his clothes and stuff. Both of his arms worked at this point in the clean, night. I cleaned, all, I cleaned a lot of the the linens and got him out, got it all set up and hang, hung up to dry. And then I was like, man. That that was that was brutal. <laughs> I was like, let's go look at that deer again and make sure this is real life. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So uh. so of course, and then as we're getting Jeremy loaded up to go to the hospital, um, Silas he throws up again. Then he throws up again on the you know. So yeah. Now, so now we're both now we're both a little little <laughs> a little bit a little bit off. And it's just like ah. Uh. You know, I've, 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 I want to feel bad for him because I know exactly how that feels. And, it, and then me having to steal the attention away from him was like, of course, that's how it goes. But yeah, we got I, it. It's just been it's been a day. Got to take the good with the bad, I guess. But so let's let's talk some whitetail theories, Jeremy. Um, what a crazy freaking day. But it was I was so glad to have you part of it. And. That, uh, that was awesome. It's really good to and, be And here. I would have never killed that deer without it's, you being there because you spotted it, you know? And and it, it just, was a total team effort. And it was. Ultimately, that was, I mean, that was kind of my goal is, you know, how can I help and get some stuff on film? Because I've been kind of slacking in that in that ballpark. I've just like, I don't know, I've, it's just kind of been a, a second thought over the past couple of years, but getting behind the camera and I get just as much of a rush watching people hunt deers as actually hunting the deer myself. I don't know, first time out with my wife, we filmed an eight pointer really similar to the one that you took tonight. And uh, I was, it was 40 yards and I was like, I was like, she's gonna get shot, is she gonna get shot? It's the first time back, back in the tree stand. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, she might. She never came in, but we had it forty yards, and it's just not. That's not a shot that she's comfortable with. And it, it was locked down with a doe. This is mid October. I was really surprised. I don't know. I don't know what the theory there yeah, is. That's, that's early to be locked down with a doe. He was. He was glued to her. He did not get more than fifty yards away from her, and and then about about a half hour after they both dipped back into the brush. Another little buck came out, you know, tailing them, you know, 15 minutes behind them. I mean, does your does your rug come in earlier? No, usually, usually it's kind of I don't know. I feel like it's kind of later. Yeah. It's it's that. This well, right, because this time northern, of year, northern, I guess more northern states, it's a little bit later because the winters go longer. Yeah. That way the fawns drop. Where do they drop earlier? Usually, I've heard conflicting things about that because it, that, been, that they put more weird, weight on before winter. Yeah, it was a really weird year too. I feel like I didn't see very many spotted fawns 
in like May when I usually would expect to see them. It was it was a later. They dropped fonts later. They yeah, were, I saw fonts with spots late June, June, yeah, and even in into summertime. July. Yeah, I did. yeah, and I don't know how long they 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 hold on to them. That's interesting. I think it's I think it's a few questions. months, three four months. Yeah. After. But yeah, I, it was it was a weird year for that. Yeah. So so let's let's talk some white tail theories about this time of year. It's like. We're going into the Halloween phase. Yep. You know where where do you think the best places are to hunt and and look for whitetail and and how do you find them, especially like public public yeah. land? Well, one of the first things we talked about was, you know, the bucks are probably going to be holding high where you know where the thermals are are readily available for them to utilize to pinpoint every single doe on the hillside. Right. So that and that's what we talked about. When we we're coming up from from that first spot. You know, if as the sun heats up the valley floor and the, and the thermals push up, a deer can walk up on these ridges and, and saddles and high spots and smell everything that's below it. And that, that saves a lot of legwork. Yes. Yeah. And especially right now, the doe are not, they're not ready to, to breed yet, but the buck, they're starting to try to pinpoint, you know, where their doe are at and things like that. Cause like, it's hard to fathom, but like you know, a buck can smell what's down in those hollows, whether yep. it's a hunter or a coyote or deer or, they, or whatever. They want to keep a pretty close proximity this time of year to the doe herd because as soon as they come into estrus, they want to be there. They want to be on top of it. Otherwise, another buck's going to come in and exactly and that's, sneak it from them. And that's the thing. So that's the other thing I want to talk about too, is that buck that we shot today. Just the amount of sign of that area. And lo and behold, he was in that area. He was he was less than hundred yards from the the last sign we were. All those scrapes trying to set else. the camera on, yeah. Yeah, right. He was right there, and you know whether a different buck made some of that stuff or not. I mean, like you you, you can't deny the fact that in the daylight on a Saturday there was other hunters in that area. Well, we walking right past him. Yeah, they, literally. They walked. Pro they were less. They were less than 100 yards from him when they walked through. 100%, yeah. It's least. just it's just that the terrain offered him just a little bit of security, you yeah. know, because we came in on the backside of of a, a, an easy access point that most hunters are just walking down the access point. And we came in his back door, and then we had the ability to sneak with, with you know, everything being advantage wet. Advantage of the wind. And we took advantage of his gut. The... He was so busy working on just munching on food. And he was chowing on... Yeah. So every time he, every time he put his head down, there's even though it was a flat, there was just enough elevation drop that I could see the top of his back. But as soon as his head was down, it's, I could move. Yeah. We could, we could oh, move. Oh yeah. And that's that's how we're able to do that. I I would never have been able to do that if it was crunchy out, crunchy leaves. Oh no, busted all day. Yeah. He would have hurt us. He would have seen us where where we were trying to put those cameras up. Yeah. But you know, going going back to that sign thing. It's, it's really interesting to think about because these woods and mountains are so vast. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the reality is, if you can use some of the topography to your advantage, it starts to minimize the area that those deer could be. Um, you start to find fresh sign, scrapes and rubs. Oh, yeah. Like, the thing, the thing to remember then, when you go hunt those spots and you see it and you come back to it, like hunt it with intention and purpose because that deer is probably 
Exactly. If you have negative thoughts from the beginning, probably it's not even worth being out there because you're not going to hunt it well. You just go out there and kick rocks and... So many people go through the motions of just just like, I'm going to go, here's my spot, and then you just beeline to it, make all kinds of noise. You got to get to my spot, and then you sit there, and then you're playing on your phone or not paying attention. Yep. And it's like, if you, if you're going to go hunting, hunt it well, hunt with a purpose. Yeah. Jeremy, this, this season I have hunted probably, I would say the least I've hunted since like early college days where I could not get out a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just had a lot of projects. We've been really busy in the wellness office and I've hunted, but every time I've hunted, it's like, I want to go out and actually like really enjoy it and make the most of it. I'm not just putting time in a stand. Exactly. And that, I've, I've done that for so many years too, where it's just like, oh, it's hunting season. I got to get time in the stand. And, and that's not necessarily right. Seat time is good in certain situations, specifically in situations where you've done the scouting ahead of time and you know the pattern, you've patterned the right. deer by that tree stand or near that tree stand. Yep. And there has to be something to, that motivates the deer to move, be it the rut or a food source, and, and a bedding spot where they'll move out of the bedding into the food and then move back into bedding or a water source. But this year, the water source has been everything, everywhere. There's no shortage of water, so the deer don't have to go far for it. No, we were up at the top of the mountain. As soon as you got into the first top of the top of the first hollow, you could hear water just gushing down. Yup. Well, it did, it wasn't, I didn't have to go very far to find something to wash my hands off after I got in the deer either. Right. And it was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. So like, that that's another thing to pay attention to. What's the limiting factors? Is it food? Is it cover? Is it is it water? And but but once again, you know, I mean, there's over forty thousand acres of state forest here, and we killed a deer, not far from the beaten path where people yep. walk by. Yeah. And 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 like, don't don't just. Do what everybody else is doing. You gotta think outside the box. You have to. It helps to have previous knowledge, but going slow and being really alert to your surroundings in the woods, noticing either you know any kind of browse or sign or mm-hmm. cover that is visibly being utilized by deer is a really great place to start. And ultimately, right now specifically, I think that pre-rut sign is really important to key it on. The, the deer are probably going to be within 100 yards of the fresher sign that you find. Right. But if you bump them out... Then they might not ever come back. So that's the... And, that you, can, and, you, can hunt that, and you can hunt that stand the next three days and see nothing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean they aren't there. It, it means you might have bumped them out. And like what we did today, we, we completely used the the cover of the rain and stuff to our advantage and like everywhere we went man it's like we didn't beeline into a spot to hunt we like we, it was a slow we tiptoed yeah. yeah we tiptoed and and not many guys do that but I I think that the reason is though they're not confident enough in their spot you know there's forty thousand acres to pick from why am I gonna tiptoe into this spot yep. and and I've done it enough times now that it starts to become like it's not coincidence, you know, there's, there's something behind it and, and it doesn't mean you're going to see something, but I can assure you if you do take your time and have that wind in your face Mm -hmm. and hunt with the intent and the purpose, 
I, you're going to be way more successful. I, I think looking for spots that knock off all the necessities that you're like um, are going to be more productive. I mean, that so spots that have good cover with, with an edge that they can walk along where it's easier to walk, they can dip into the cover and come out of the cover and walk yep. easy. A place with food. That's two of the main ones. I mean, you what kind of, what kind of food, food are you keying in on right now? Well, so there's a lot of leafy browse. We've seen deer really liking cut grass, but also there's a, there was a decent acorn mass this year. So they're going to be you know, up on top of the ridges and mountains. Acorn stands up there are just massive. There's some really great oak trees up there. Yeah, well, that's the one thing, like the forestry, when they cut trees, they left a lot of oaks. And... But I, I do find it's like cyclical too. Like some years you get your red oaks are really good, or some years the white oaks are really good. Yep. This year there was a good white oak crop. You know, a lot of the old timers and, and and other other big archery hunters like they they like to key in on like the beech the beech nuts. Yeah. And they're hard to come by up here. It's it's beech stands. I feel like there's a lot of disease associated with beech around here in the, in the northeast in general. So a lot of those bigger beech trees just don't exist anymore. They they're they're they've fallen and rotted, or um, they're all just like pucker brush, like you know maybe not not anything bigger on than a baseball bat, mm -hmm. and uh, it they just don't mast like the big mature beech trees do. I think. Yeah, yeah. Now I'll tell you something else, man. It's it's almost November now. And it's been so wet, and there's so much green out there still. Even though the leaves are changing and the foliage is dropping, but like tonight coming back from the hospital, how many deer did we see tonight? In the last 10 miles to camp, uh, probably 6 to 10. Yeah, there, there was a bunch like right along the road though, they're just munching on grass. Shit, there was one, there was one in the hospital lawn when we were leaving. Yeah, we saw more than six or ten deer tonight. We saw, we saw a pile of deer tonight. I mean, there's, we saw, I, we saw at least two dozen deer, and but like, they're they're drawn into that stuff too. And guess what? The grass is close to the road. Yep. You know, and I'm not saying that that's where the deer are going to be at either, but they're coming to that. We could have, we probably would have, would have done just as well down low. It, it may have been more difficult to get a sneak. The, the situation was just perfect for us. I don't no, know. We had such a cool situation and to get it on camera and, and everything else is really, is really cool too. You know, awesome. down, down low, it's, and what's crazy is, I mean, th those deer far enough apart, like that deer lived up there. Yeah. And then you have different deer live down low. I mean, that's, that's, it's couple miles to get up to that top area you know yep. and how far does he strut his stuff walking around at night and stuff I just I don't believe he's walking all the way down to the lowlands mm -mm. you know but but the lowlands have their own challenge because it seems like once the sun comes up man they just kind of disappear there's it's there's a lot of thicker brush down off the hill there there is and, and that's what that's what I often wonder are they just laying in that thicker brush or are they down in those lowlands, the grass meadows, doing their thing and then are they just coming, you know, back on the side mountains, 50, 150 yards up on the hill? I think it's a mixture. Where they got that vantage point to escape and see. I, I think it's a mixture of all of it. I mean, I think that they can 
they can easily work their way back up or they just decide if they're comfortable for the afternoon or you know if they haven't been bothered they might yeah. just hang tight to right where they are right and continue feeding on into the darkness or you know even on through the morning if they're not disturbed but I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing that I'll observe those that like come come winter time when there's snow I'll I'll go through these lowlands and I won't see any tracks or hardly any tracks hmm. And I, I, I'm assuming it's once once things are snow covered, there's not much left to eat. You know, I think along the road you get some decent browse that they can hit on. And I see them digging up acorns when there's still acorns on the ground. Yeah, well, so so that's 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 a really good tactic for like up in the mountains mm -hmm. when you got some snow. You, you look, well, first off, look for the the south sides, south facing slopes where the sun's hitting. It's going to melt more snow. But you'll you'll see where there's like you know a nice like crusting of snow or dusting or maybe a couple inches, and you'll see leaves on top of the snow. Yep. And that's from the deer routing around. Yep. Sometimes it's squirrels and turkeys, but yeah, squirrels lot, and turkeys can do it too. A lot of times it's the deer, and they they are. Just well, you can tell. You look at what tracks are right digging. there. Yeah. Yeah. They're scraping and digging, trying to get. But but here's the thing. Once again, mouse. I feel like once you find that. If you're playing the wind right and you didn't bump them out, they got to be set close. up there. They're close. They're close, and it's just cat and mouse. Are they going to come within range? Yep. Do you want to try and call them, or do you want to try yeah. and still hunt them? Depends on the time of the year. What 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 you can get away with or not. We didn't have very much luck having response to to grunts. Today. Oh man, I felt so good about that spot because when we circled up, we found that that arrow from that from two years ago. Yep. And we got out of the laurel because there was like 14 acres of laurel on that on that side that we were calling over, and the wind was so perfect. But I just think that they weren't they just weren't in there. But there was so much fresh sign. There we was, started seeing there rubs was some big and, and turds crabs and, and yep, turds. And then even like we got kind of around the corner there, and there was an old tree stand there. It's like yeah, this is definitely that was an old tree stand, old handmade, welded up. Yep. The ratchet strap was broke. The tree just grew that much over time. The ratchet, the the fibers of that, it just broke. It's like a three runger. Yeah, that get, just you, get, you, flat get you solid six feet off the ground. That's it. it so yeah, the the one thing that I noticed in that spot though, and you and you had mentioned it, there was no scrapes. And I I don't know. I mean I I've been hunting archery my whole life, and like I understand what a scrape is, but I don't always know what they mean. Right. You know, like you have community scrapes where like deer will hit it all year long. Ultimately, it's just a source of communication. It's definitely a source of communication. It's just like, what does that mean? Is that just like along like a quarter of the deer travels? Like how often is that deer actually going by there? Right. Like the deer that we shot today, there were so many scrapes. It was. I would think. Dude, that deer's that was its core, and another deer's gonna come back into that spot. I'm gonna guarantee you that. I, I think the bucks come in, in in rifle season and kill a deer there. The bucks are a little different with the does. I mean, they all visit the the scrapes in and out of season. Right. I feel like the does, their purpose is just to let the bucks know that they're there by hitting the hitting that. Right. I don't think they hit it regularly. Like if they're, unless they're walking through there all the time, they probably won't even touch it. But if they're well, if they're planning on sticking around the area, they'll hit it and and stick around at least, you know, to the point where it would be worth the buck pursuing them when the rut hit. Here's here's remember when we were looking at the deer. I mean, and it just just expired, 
and I never really paid attention to it, but the bottom of the hoops was like pushing on them, and yeah, it was like so much soft. softer than I realized. I'm like, this deer can feel stuff under his feet, and I'm like, I always just thought they were like these clunky like pieces of like big hunks of nail yep. that they walk on, and it's like, no, man, like that's how they're able to get, be quiet. Yep. And then and we were talking about that, and, and you said the, about the scent and the scent glands. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to think, does each deer have its own scent, and the, can the deer smell say, oh, Lacey was coming through here today, oh, Jan, according, this is Jan, you according know? To, according to a lot of the blood tracking uh, manuals and folks they've done, been doing a long time and the research done on it, I'm pretty sure that each deer has its own individual, like, foot scent. Yeah, I mean, it makes, it makes freaking sense, though. It re- I mean, it makes a lot of sense. To it, us, we might just smell, it might just smell like deer. But, you know, it's but, like, going back anything. to the scrape thing, whether they piss in it or, yep. or not, it's, it's like that area. Yep. You know, and, and they, they know it's there. And, and really, I do believe more than ever now that, that the whitetail mature bucks, and I've been saying this for a while now, but this is Whitetail Theories podcast, so, you know, you can fact check me. But I do believe that it's more of like the elk herd where there's like the harem, where they, you know, you have like that, that buck that has its different doe. Yeah. And they're going to come to that dude because he's like the dominant guy. And then it's like your satellite deer. And and that's essentially it. I mean, the buck that I shot today is some sort of a satellite buck that's up on this, you know, he was up on this little elevated top where he had everything that he needed not far away. Mm-hmm. He had it all shredded up with scrapes and rubs. But I'm, I'm sure that there's a more dominant deer. And, and I really believe that the dominant deer are where the best habitat is. And, and, and nine out of 10 times. That's true. You know where that, you know where that habitat's at though? That, for the best buck? Um, where the best food source and best doe density is. Right, and guess where that tends to be? Private property. Yep. <laughs> right behind the houses or camps or whatever. Not to mention no, low pressure. I'm just sitting this. That's that's exactly it. Low pressure. Kick my alley out. Sitting this. Uh oh. You ready? You ready to oh. migrate here? Here's let's one. here. Let's look at where we're at with this podcast. We're at forty five, forty, okay. forty nine minutes. So Jeremy, we got like ten minutes to wrap this. You want to sit right here for, for a minute? I just I feel I feel uh, I don't know, I feel kind of off. All right, Jeremy's feeling a bit off. So I'll tell you, what, we'll wrap this we'll wrap this podcast up. But man. I, I gotta tell you, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And there's a recliner over here too. Is that one better? It's bigger, yeah. Go with that one. Yeah, I don't have to kick my eye out. Sorry, man. Jeremy's feeling a little off with his broken. I just I, I with the pain meds and all that, I feel kind of woozy. So I just want to kind of sit in a more comfortable spot. That's cool. So, yeah, man, so to wrap things up, do you got anything else to add or want to talk about anything service-side related? Oh, man, we need to get more people out there and just, you know, enjoying these kind of experiences. I feel like I feel like that's really what it's all about is getting out with somebody who's been in the program for a while or, or somebody who hasn't been in the program for very long at all and, and sharing, sharing an experience like this. You know, it, it can be... 
just for you know fly by the seat of your pants or it could be really well planned I feel like the fly by the seat of your pants stuff is great because you go into it with you know little or no expectations you're just there to hang out have a good time and then when something does come together it's like all the sweeter but I feel like going in with a positive attitude no matter what is just gonna make it a way better a way better go of it I think that I think it gets overlooked a lot people people get caught up my wife gets caught up in it all the time she's like oh well it wasn't really a super successful hunt because we didn't kill anything it's like no babe it's <laughs> not what it's about she's got a lot to learn yep she's pretty green still but we're, yeah we're getting there and and today's hunt was successful in terms of we've we filled a tag but I mean that that's low on the expectation list that felt pretty successful even even before we filled the tag we exactly we learned something we found your arrow which was a goal Dude, of I felt ours. successful immediately after that I was like because I've been wanting to go back to that and find that arrow it's it was, it was so funny uh, the idea is so perfect like, it, it just that was like a big a big boost for me being able to get that because that was I mean that was totally planned that was the plan from the beginning was to go down there, go down there, come with an intent, see if we can call something, find that arrow. Yep. Yep. And, and we and work our plan. All those boxes. Yeah. Back up and then regrouped and came up with a plan, another plan. And the second time we came up with a plan, it was it just you know, we made all the right decisions, and yeah, it paid off immensely. Yeah, it did. And and and. Nine out of ten times, you could have screwed up that, that stalk, you know? Yep. But we pulled it off. The shot was marginal, but it was lethal. And and the, and the deer actually tasted really good because we've already eaten it some of it. It did taste good. <laughs> Man, everything was so great except, except for this mishap. The, oh. the, the baby puking and the, and the broken arm could have been... Uh, subtracted from the mix and it would have been a little better I feel I feel like this whole part of the experience is just like man I feel like I have to I have to you know come down off the off the excitement or something if I uh, <laughs> man I don't know my, my words are are tough to come by right now because it's just everything so overwhelming between Filming that and and the the, the fall and and the the dinner and the puke and it's just like I can't believe this <laughs> night happened. It was crazy. <laughs> it so was, it was just epic all together. All that being said, I think I have the name for this podcast: Broken Arrow. That's that's pretty solid. The arrow wasn't broken, though. But your arm is. My arm is. <laughs> See where I went with that? Yep, nailed it. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in. And, Jeremy, it was a pleasure. I'm glad we got to do the podcast at 1 a.m. here, along with everything else that happened. We got a hunt to put together to, to put out. I can't share. wait to see how this footage comes together and, and how it gets compiled. It's going to be really good for... For how we shot it and how it all happened. Yep, yep. So we look forward to, to uh, doing this again. Thanks for tuning in.